Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. If you're going to leave a strong, lasting legacy, you're going to have to be intentional about it. I think one of the ways that you can see what kind of legacy you will leave in the future is to look around now at the people that you associate with, your kids, your spouse, those that you work with, your friends. What direction are their lives going in? And start taking action to lovingly influence the way that they live their lives. You know, don't fall into this trap of thinking that just by showing a good example, you've done all you can do. No, be a coach, be a mentor to those that you care for, to those who need you. If someone's going in the wrong direction, don't just stand there and let them self-destruct. Say something, do something, fight for them, pray for them. So I want to encourage you not only to be a godly person, but to leave a strong, lasting legacy. All right, Um, man, we've been studying the book of Isaiah, but from a different kind of a different perspective, a different angle. And uh, we're picking right up where we were last Sunday, um, looking at Isaiah again from a little little different angle. Um, There's parts of Isaiah that aren't very easy to get through. (laughs) There's parts of the Bible that aren't very easy to get through. Right. And so. uh, uh, there's a neat way of reading the Bible. We talked about this last time, and that is you can read another book where it talks about what was going on at that point in time and read Isaiah in the context of what was going on so that you understand why there was some doom and gloom and judgment pronounced at that time. And that's kind of what we were doing. We were studying about King Jotham. Have you ever met somebody by the name of Jotham before? It's an interesting name. Just like Steve is kind of an interesting name. <laughs> no, that's a pretty common name. But we looked last week, we're in, we're in 2 Chronicles 26, and then we were also looking in 2 Chronicles 27 in relation to Isaiah 3 and 4. Does that make sense? We're looking in one book in relation to another book. And so what we did is we looked at Jotham's dad. How many of you know that the way that you were raised impacts the way that you live? (laughs) Sometimes good, sometimes bad. You are who you are because partly of your environment. Now, don't use that as an excuse to say, well, that's just how I was, so this is how I am. No, God wants to change who you are despite the way that you were raised, despite the hard things that you may have gone through, despite some of the tough things that you faced in your life. But let's face it, you are who you are a lot because of how you were raised and the things that you went through. And and Jotham was no, no, no exception to this. His dad, Uzziah, just real quick, I know we went through this last Sunday, uh, but his dad, Uzziah, who was also a king, um, he had gotten really powerful. Remember this? He'd gotten really powerful and his, his power led to his downfall. And what we saw last Sunday was that Jotham learned from his dad's mistakes so that when Jotham got to a place of power, he didn't fall. He didn't fall. Now remember this, just because someone else failed doesn't mean that you have to fail. Somebody was an alcoholic in your family doesn't mean that you have to be an alcoholic. Someone was an addict in your past doesn't mean that you have to be an addict. Somebody went bankrupt and spent all their money and ended up in poverty doesn't mean that you have to be in poverty as well. 
So don't look at your past and say, oh, that's the way I used to be. This is my future. No, your future can be different and should be different from your past. Praise God. God's got a plan for you. Let's start focusing on what God's plan for you is instead of what you think your plan is for you. God has good plans for you. He's got plans to prosper you, plans to, to, to give you a future. And we also learned last week that even though Jotham was a good king, his country was corrupt. And we're going to talk a lot more about that today. Just because, and this is the whole title of what we're looking at, just because you're a good person doesn't mean everybody around you is necessarily going to be good. <laughs> You could be a good, you can live a good life and leave a weak legacy. I don't know about you. I don't want that to be the case for me. I want to live a godly life and I also want to leave a strong legacy. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. But here we find that King Jotham, he was he was a good guy and God was blessing him, but his country was going down the toilet. And we'll find also that his son after him went down the toilet as well. All right. It's up to you and me to make sure that the things that are going on around us are changed. You can live a life with a godly, powerful influence around you. But it's up to you to make sure that that happens. You've got to be intentional about that. And again, we're, we're going to talk more about that today. Uh, these people of Israel, it was a, it was a good time in, in Judah. It was a good time. People were rich. People were, were economically prosperous, but they had corrupt practices. And we read through what some of those corrupt practices were. It was, it was, bad, it was bad news. We also looked last, last week that Jotham, this godly king, he made war against his enemies. And while I'm not encouraging you to go out and find an enemy and beat his face in, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about, who is your enemy? Is it fear? Is your enemy pride? Is your enemy addiction? Is your in what is your enemy? Maybe your enemy is your past. You keep reliving the things that you've gone through and the things that were done to you. That's your enemy. It's time to start fighting your spiritual enemies. It starts it's time to start standing up and say, "I'm not going to give in to that anymore." I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight my enemy. And I told you last Sunday, you can take a dry erase marker and on the window or the window, the mirror of your bathroom, you can write your enemy's name. And every time you walk in that, that bathroom, every morning you confront your enemy and say, I'm not putting up with you anymore. I'm not putting up with you. You do that. God's going to start giving you victory over your enemies. You don't have to put up with the stuff you've put up with anymore. Start fighting. In fact, I encourage you to come tonight. I'm going to be speaking on spiritual victory. It's time for you and it's time for me. We need to start winning in life. You don't need to lose anymore. It's time for you to start winning. And we saw uh, in, in Luke, man, this powerful scripture. In fact, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more tonight. In Luke 11, verses 21 through 22, uh, it, it shows how you can win spiritual victory. There's three things. You attack it, whatever it is. And we're talking about a spiritual attack, not a physical attack. Don't go, don't go affecting people's lives. We're talking about spiritual things. You attack it. You overpower it because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You overpower your enemy and then you strip its armor away and you're good to go from that point on, man. You're going to live an authoritative, powerful life. In fact, that's exactly what we saw David did. He came up against Goliath 
He attacked him with his sling. All right. He ran at the giant. He overpowered the giant because the giant fell forward. And then he disarmed the giant. He took his sword out. And you know what he did? He cut that giant's head off. It's time for you to cut your spiritual giant's head off so that he's dead and you can move on with your life, man. That's why in James 4, 7, it doesn't say, don't go, don't go and resist your addiction. Don't go and resist your thoughts. Don't go and resist your temptations. Resist the enemy who's the source of those things. Start speaking to them in the name of Jesus. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I resist you. I don't resist. Jesus, was, when he was in the wilderness, he didn't fight the, the devil uh, you know, resisting what the devil told him. No, he resisted the devil himself. And after 40 days, the devil took off. Praise God. So submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, not your temptation. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We also saw, again, uh, Jotham grew powerful, and he walked steadfastly with the Lord. He did the opposite of what his dad did. Uh, you can learn from other people's mistakes. Praise God. But let's, let's move on. Let's move on from where we were, uh, where we left off last week. And... Um, Let's see, where were we? We're right here. Sorry. <laughs> All right, here, listen to this. If you want to leave a godly legacy uh, for those around you, for your physical children, for your spiritual children. All right, for how many moms do we have? All right, we're not just talking about your, your physical children. God wants you to have spiritual children. He wants you to have the influence that you leave for people at work, for your friends, for your neighbors. Let me tell you what, those can be your spiritual children. And just as your children, your physical children will have children, you'll become a grandparent. God wants you to be a spiritual grandparent as well. He wants you to pour Jesus into somebody's life and then they turn around, they grow up and they pour Jesus into someone else's life. And you have a spiritual grandchild. Let me tell you what, it's time for us to make disciples. Jesus said this. That was a great commission. Don't just go and tell somebody about Jesus. Go bring them along and share Jesus with them and see their lives turned around. But here's my point. If you want to leave a godly legacy, a lasting godly legacy, you have to be intentional. You have to be. Don't worry. Hey, I, I, can, I'm, I can be louder than the children. You don't have to worry a bit about them, okay? All right. In fact, just relax. All right, here we go. If you want to leave a godly legacy, you've got to be intentional. You've got, to, you've got to say every day, this is what I'm going to do. It's not going to happen by itself. It's not going to happen automatically. It's not going to happen by osmosis. It's going to happen because you made a decision to pour yourself into somebody's life. All right, that's what Jesus did. Now, at work, uh, and the job that I have where I work full time, all right, here's what I found. I can tell somebody what to do, but most often, the first time around, they're not going to do it, if it's, especially if it's a change. If I say, okay, you've been doing this this way. From now on, I want you to do it this way. Most often, they're not going to do what I told them to do. Is it because they're rebellious? Is it because they're goofy? Is it because they're ignorant? No, people just don't change just because you tell them to change. And if I tell my kids, especially when they were younger, okay, I want you to stop doing this and I want you to start doing this. Do you think they listened to me? Do you think they did it naturally? No. You know what I had to do? I had to work with them. 
I had to teach them. I had to correct them. And so goes at work. You got you don't just mandate things, you mentor people to get them to change very slow. People don't change overnight. Have you changed overnight? Can you ch- even even if you tell yourself you're going to change, do you change? No. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. You've got to be intentional. Jesus did this with his with his disciples. He got into their business. He got into their lives. He corrected them at work. You can say, "All right, we're going to be we I want you to be professional from now on. I'm going to show you what a professional does. I'm not going to get into your personal life, but I'm going to get into your professional life. That's hogwash. You can't change somebody professionally without getting into their personal life and helping them see some of their deficiencies and helping them correct the way that they do things. That's what Jesus did. He got into their personal business. He corrected his disciples. He encouraged his disciples. And you know what else? He pushed his disciples. That's why sometimes we get up here and we say, you know what? I'm sorry, guys. Coming to church one time a week, it's not going to cut it for you. You need you need more from God, man. You need it multiple times throughout the week. That's why we push you to read your Bibles. I could just say, hey, it's all right, God. I'm just glad you're here. It's okay. Give you a little pat on the back. You know what? That's not going to do you an ounce of good. I got to challenge you and say, you know what? You need more from God. You need to go further with God. I need to push you. You know why? Because I care about you. And you know why else? Because people have pushed me before and it did me a lot of good. It did me a lot of good. So we got to be a little bit pushy, not overly pushy, but a little bit pushy at least. And Jesus did that with his, his disciples. That's why in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, if you want to memorize some scriptures, how many of you have ever memorized a scripture before? All right. Some of us, yes. Some of us, no. I, I challenge you not only to read the Bible, memorize the Bible memorize the bible but here's a good here's a good memory scripture for you this isn't just for children this is for adults for second uh, timothy 3 16 through 17 it says all scripture what scripture the bible all scripture is god breathed and is useful for four things look at these four things for teaching for rebuking for correcting and for training in righteousness so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let me tell you what, if we're going to grow spiritually, if we're going to grow personally, if we're going to grow mentally, if we're going to grow professionally, you need these four things and you need to be willing to embrace these four things. First of all, training, rebuking, correcting, and training, in, in, in train, excuse me, teaching, rebuking, correction, and training. Let's look at teaching really quick. What do you think God teaches you? He teaches you truth. He teaches you truth. So here's a lie that may have been planted as a seed in your mind. Maybe you had a parent, an aunt or uncle, a, a brother, a sister, a friend tell you that you were no good when you were a little kid. And that little seed sat in your mind. I'm no good. I'm, I'm not as good as other people. I'm never going to amount to anything. And that seed grows into a really strong plant, a bad, a weed in your mind. And you think it all the time. You react to things externally. I'm no good. I'm no good. You know what the truth is? God has a truth for you. Yes, through Jesus, you are good. Amen. Through Jesus, you are going to amount to more than a hill of beans. You know what? God has plans for you, prosperous plans. You're going to be amazing through Jesus Christ. 
You see, you need to hear that. Jesus needs to teach you that because we don't teach ourselves that. We're not talking about an arrogant, self-confident person. We're just talking about somebody who's confident in the Lord because of the truth that they hear. So teaching teaches us truth. Here's the next thing is rebuke. Have you ever been rebuked before? How did you react when you were rebuked? Well, if the rebuker was telling you the truth, you needed to react humbly and say, you know what? You're right. (laughs) You're right. I had somebody uh, on a telephone call just months ago. Uh, they didn't rebuke me, but they told me something that somebody that used to come to church here, they told me something and I paused for a second. And you know what I told the guy? I said, you're right. (laughs) You're absolutely right about that. And I've tried to change as a result of what I heard on the phone, phone call just a few months ago. All right. When, when, when God rebukes you, he's convicting you of sin, of something wrongdoing. You know what? When God rebukes us, we need to say, you know what, God, you're right. You're right. He convicts us of sin. But here's what God doesn't do. He doesn't condemn you. Rebuke and condemnation are two different things. In Romans, it talks about how God can zoom in on that sin inside of you without messing you up. All right, it's kind of like chemotherapy or what chemotherapy should be able to do. It zooms in on the cancer, theoretically, without affecting the the organ, without affecting the person. That's how God works with us. He convicts us of sin without condemning us and, and, you know, paralyzing us. Praise God. He rebukes us. The third thing is correction. Correction is where, you know what? I'm just going to help you, and this is going to take some time. God's talking to you. This is going to take some time. We're going to get there, but I'm going to discipline you, not not punish you, discipline you, help you get over the hump that you've been facing. I'm going to I'm going to correct you and I'm going to discipline you. And that's where the word discipleship comes from. Do you think Jesus just had those disciples following him? No, he worked with those guys over a course of three years. He mentored them. To be corrected is to be mentored. Now, at work, oftentimes, I'll get people, they don't even report to me, and I hear them on a call, I see their work, whatever. You know what I do? If I, if I see something they could improve, I go ahead and pick up the phone, and I talk to them personally. I say, hey, you did these 10 things really, really well, but look at this 11th thing. You can do it better by doing X, Y, and Z, and I correct them. And you know what? Almost every single time at work, you know what I get is thank you. Thank you for telling me that. That really helps me because they see I'm not there to beat them down. I'm there to build them up. And that's what God does for us. He builds us up as he corrects us, as he disciplines us, as he disciples us. You know what I encourage you to do? Don't just come on Sunday morning. Come Wednesday where discipleship takes place where we hear one another, and it's youth, it's on Tuesdays. We hear one another, and we get corrected, and we get improved. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's exactly what we do on Wednesday nights. The fourth, the fourth thing that the Word of God, the inspired, God-breathed Word of God does for us is it trains us. And I love what Nick Saban says. Uh, he's the, is he still with Alabama? Probably one of the best, you know, college football coaches of all times. Win, win, win. That's all that this guy ever does is win. But he says about his practice, he says, we practice it until we can't get it wrong. (laughs) 
and God's telling you the same thing. You say, God, I finally got it right. Can you kind of back off a little bit? And God says, no, we're going to keep on this until you can't get it wrong. <laughs> That's what he does. That's what training does. It's practice. We do it until we can't get it wrong, until it's so natural, so, so just the way that we are, that we just do it that way the righteous way, the highway, the best way. That, and God, that's how, God is the most awesome coach you could ever ask for. If there's some, some way that I see God, it's as my coach, not my referee. Not my referee. He's not there to blow the whistle at me. He's, he gets me on the sideline. Sometimes he encourages me. Sometimes he benches me. <laughs> Sometimes he yells at me. But he's always got my best interest in, in mind. I tell you what, if you if you want to get into the game of Christianity, you're in for a, whew, man, I'll tell you what, God's going to get in your face sometimes, but he's always going to be slapping you on your rear, <laughs> your back, saying, come on, you can do it. You can do it. Get back into the game again. That's the God that we serve. He trains us. So does that sound like it's just going to happen by itself? No, God is intentional about you leaving a lasting legacy. Don't be a good person who leaves a weak legacy. Come on, man. Get up and get involved in the kingdom of heaven. All right? Don't get distracted anymore. Don't get, don't get off in the stands. You're supposed to be on the field playing right now. Get up and get going. Our influence has got to be intentional or, uh, or we're going to be godly people who leave a weak legacy legacy and so this jotham this king of judah he did exactly that he was a godly man who left a weak legacy in two in two respects um goodness this might be a short sermon what happened here <laughs> you're in for a treat man we might be out of here early today <laughs> usually i see pages and pages i'm on my last page is everybody happy all right, so Jotham left, left a, a weak legacy, and it, it, was, in two, it was in two respects. Um, first of all, I'm missing three pages of my mess. Can you go back to Cole? It's not as good as you thought it was going to be. All right, King Jotham left two, two, two weak, weak aspects. Um, first of all, his nation was falling apart. His nation was falling apart. Look around you. Is everything falling apart around you? You can already know what your legacy is going to be based on what it is right now. <laughs> All right. Look around and say, you know what? I'm going to turn the tide starting today. I'm going to turn the tide. His nation was falling apart, man. Uh, people here. In, this is where you get into Isaiah three and four. So you can read Isaiah three and four and see what the nation was going through at that time. Look at this. People were oppressing each other. I'm in verse 10 of Isaiah three. Actually, verse five. I'm sorry. People were oppressing each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. The young were rising up against the old. Wow. Now, Tina showed me a, a little uh, video clip. Thank you. <laughs> Tina showed me a little video clip of Venice Beach. Do you know where Venice Beach is? In fact, Venice Beach, yes, in California, it's right on the outskirts of L.A. Well, on the not on the outskirts, it's in L.A. And our Dream Center team that we did, we did two missions trips to that area in L.A., we went to Venice Beach at least one of those times, twice, okay? Now, Venice Beach is where 
just probably back in the 80s and 90s and even 2000s, that's where all the weightlifters go and they, like, professional bodybuilders, they work out out there and people can congregate and watch them work out and do all their, their fitness things. Venice Beach has fallen apart right now. Homeless population, drug infested, crime on the beach. You look at the beach, it's filled with tents now. And there's some little video clips, horrifying video clips from people who live on Venice Beach from their balconies videotaping people getting mugged right there on the little board, not the boardwalk, but the little walkway right there on Venice Beach. We, it was gruesome. I mean, I had to stop watching it. People getting beat up, messed up, stabbed right there on Venice Beach. Hey, let me tell you what, that's bad news for the United States. We need to start affecting our country. Where does it start? Right here in El Paso, Texas. All right, right here in your family, right here with your friends, right here with your workplace. Start being intentional. It says in Isaiah 3, verse 11, woe to the wicked, disasters upon them. This was a country that was doing well with a godly leader. All right, don't put your faith in the president. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in God, whatever your political uh, perspective is. Hey, don't don't do that, man. Put your faith in God and expect him to change this country. Woe to the wicked, disasters upon them. They will be paid back for their hands for what their hands have done. You suppress my people. My people, your your guides lead you astray. Here's listen to this. This is interesting. Jotham, a godly guy, apparently had picked bad people for his leadership team. And those leaders were setting a very bad example. If you're ever a leader and you make the decision to to do that, pick good people to lead other good people. Amen. Don't don't just don't go with the easy. I'll tell you what. One thing God has showed me is stop looking for talent and start looking for faithfulness, availability, and teachability. Let me ask something about you. Look inside yourself. Are you changeable? Are you changeable? Would you allow God to change you? I hope so. We've got to be changeable. We've got to be teachable. Uh, It says in verse 13, the Lord takes his place in court. He rises to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment against the elders, against the leaders of this people. A good man, Jotham, had picked bad leaders. I've done that at work before, and I've paid for it dearly. It's just going with the most talented person, and then I always end up paying for it man you you go for loyalty you go for somebody who's teachable put those kind of people in charge and be that person yourself instead of a fragrance there's a stench instead of a sash a rope instead of well-dressed there's baldness (laughs) man i tell you what the country was going down the toilet jotham was leaving a bad legacy a bad legacy sums it up if you want to be intentional and leave a strong legacy. It's summed up in Joshua 24, 15, where Joshua says, As for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, some of us may have some kids who've gone astray. We might have some grandchildren who've gone astray. You know what? You can still stand up in prayer and say, As for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. And start setting the spiritual pace for your family, even if they live in some other part of the country. You start declaring that over your family. 
you start praying that over your family, you're going to start seeing their chains fall and them rising up and serving the Lord. Right. You know what salvation is, right? That's the sovereignty of God coming in and saying, I'm going to save this person, even if they don't want me to save them. (laughs) I'm going to shine my bright light on them. And you know what? The light's going to be so bright. They're going to have a moment of clarity so they can turn to God when before they couldn't do it, maybe because of their addiction. You start standing up and say, as for me and my household, as for me and my neighborhood, as for me and those at work, we're going to serve the Lord and God's going to start making a change in people's lives. Praise God. Have a strong legacy, a strong influence. What's going on in your household under your watch? I ask my kids, what are you looking at your own, on your phones? Tell me what's going on. <laughs> you know, I, I have the right to do that with my children. And you have the right to do that with your children up until the time that they're out of the house. You know, be intentional raising your kids. Be intentional with your influence. And if they're gone, then pray for them intentionally. And the Bible says you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You're going to see answered prayers before you pass on. You're going to see your family turn around. Amen. Be intentional. Be intentional. Praise God. All right. You know, I take pastoring very seriously. I've only been doing this for four years. I don't know that much about pastoring, but I'm learning a lot. All right. Uh, I take pastoring very seriously. And there's a couple of things that I just simply, I've learned. You don't allow these things in church. Well, you don't allow them in your family either. I don't allow them at work. I don't allow them anywhere that I have any kind of influence. And let me tell you what they are. First of all, divisiveness and drama. We just don't put up with that. (laughs) There's churches that have all kinds of drama going on and people dividing and talking behind people's. You know what? We don't put up with that. I'll never forget this lady. Uh, this was a while back. She was dividing and trying to cause problems, or whatever. You know what? I stopped her out in the parking lot. She was driving away, and I knocked on her window and waved at her with a smile so she thought I was coming, you know, friendly. She rolled down the window, and I said, what's going on here? Why, why are you talking about people? Just in the middle of church. She said, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I said, yes, you are. We, we've heard it. We've seen it. Guess what? She never came back again, and that did us good. Praise God. We don't put up with divisiveness and drama. Now, I'm going to do it sweet. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be truthful. Speak the truth in love. But we don't put up with drama here. We don't want to do that. It does us no good. Another thing that I've learned. These are hardcore lessons that I've learned just from experience. You know, we're not going to water down God's message. You know, if he says he fills people with the Holy Spirit, he fills people with the Holy Spirit. If people are speaking in other tongues, God has that gift for us. So be it. If God says he heals, he heals. If he says he's sovereign, he's sovereign. Period. All right. If he says he's still active and loves us, he's active in our lives and he loves us. If he cares for us, he cares for us. I'm not one of these people. I think of God in this kind of way. Who cares what you think of God? God is who he says he is. And he does what he says he's going to do. All right. So read the Bible and find out who God really is. Praise God. And you say, well, I'm not sure which religion. Look at the origins of these religions and you'll see which one's true and which one's not true. All right. Some of these religions have only been around for a couple hundred years. They were started off by a kooky person. Why are you going to follow, go down that path of somebody who claimed to be somebody? 
All right? Follow the living God whose son is Jesus Christ. That's the way, the truth, and the life. That's all you need to do. Hey, um, my dad said something so good. <laughs> it just escapes me. But it was essentially this. Uh, it works. Christianity works. If you don't, if you don't have to know all the history and all the, the, you know, the proofs of it, just follow Jesus and see if it doesn't work for you. It works. Praise God. I wish I could remember the example you gave. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. And I'm going to get this probably a little bit wrong, but somebody was asking, you know, about, you know, does it work? Does it not work? And this, the person who was trying to explain it said, does, do multiplication tables work? Does two plus two equal four or, or two times two equal four and two times, I'm going to get these wrong now, two, <laughs> two times four equal eight? Yeah, it works. He says, same thing with the Lord. It just works. And that's enough proof right there. It, it works. God still does miracles today. He still changes lives. We don't flaunt sin. Here's another thing. We don't flaunt sin around here. If, if you're going to come in here and this is just how I am and I'm, you know, I, I do things the way that I do things. No, we're, we don't flaunt sin. Now, we all struggle with sin. I struggle with sin. You struggle with sin, but we don't flaunt it. We're trying to get past it. We're trying to be pure people, godly people, right? Um, we, here's another one. We don't subsidize laziness. <laughs> we don't subsidize laziness. We'll help you, but at the end of the day, everyone's got to carry their own load in life. It's crazy, this, this verse in the Bible that's been misused, misquoted, misapplied. You know, carry each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what the Bible says. But in the same breath, just two or three verses before or after, it says everyone should carry their own load. We all got to carry our own load. It's okay. God wants you to be self-sufficient. Now, now, you know, we need to depend on God every second of every day. But God says, you know, every man's got to carry his own load. Carry your own load. When it gets too heavy, then reach out for help. But we don't subsidize laziness. In other words, feeding ministries are good, but every person needs to have that ability to provide for themselves. You know what I mean? Work hard. It's what I like. For instance, about Sylvia, she's a hard worker, man. She's a hard worker. She's gone through some hard times. You know, we got to carry our own load. So we don't subsidize laziness. I'll, maybe we'll, we'll help you with that bill one time, but we're not going to help you with it every single, <laughs> every single month. Praise God, we got to carry our own load. What, are, what do we passionately promote? We're talking about intentional legacies here. What do we passionately promote? Faithfulness, availability, and teachability. What is faithfulness? It's being loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his body. How could, how could I be faithful to my wife and not be faithful to my kids? It's, it, it's a package deal. <laughs> I, I'm faithful to both, just like I'm faithful to Jesus and I'm faithful to his church, his imperfect church. How many perfect people are, do we have here? Not a single one of us. I'm keeping my hand down. I'm not perfect, but that doesn't mean I say, oh, church is a bunch of lame people i'm not i'm not going to that church well shame on you <laughs> you're never going to find a perfect church never but we need to be loyal to jesus faithful to jesus and to his body we need to be available that means attentive to god willing to god the other day i was i was working and 
it came into my mind that I needed to go talk to somebody and encourage them. And um, so I was like, I even told my wife, because I, I have to work at home right now. I said, oh, shoot, God's telling me I got to go do something right now. <laughs> but you know what? I got up and I did it. And that person, I got to pray for them. I got to encourage them. It interrupted my flow, but that's all right. God's going to interrupt your flow if you're available to God. He's going to interrupt you. Jesus was interrupted every day of his life. In fact, his work was to be interrupted. We need to allow ourselves available to God. God, tell me what to do, and I'll do it right now. Teachable. I already talked about this. Be changeable, for crying out loud. Be moldable. Don't always say, this is how I do it. This is just the way I do it. No, God might have a better way for you to do it. All right. So we have to be intentional. And I'll say this as for me and Jesus's church, we're going to serve the Lord. <laughs> we're going to be intentional about it. We're going to you're going to sharpen me. I have no problem with you coming up to me and saying, Steve, I think there's a better way of doing things. I'll listen to you. I've learned I want to be changeable. I want to be moldable. I want to be teachable. I hope and pray that you will be as well. I hope and pray that you will be as well. So to leave a strong legacy, you've got to be intentional. Praise God. All right. So now here's the last question. Don't worry. It wasn't that bad. All right. Here's the last question I have for you. What if you're a victim to someone else's bad legacy that they left you? What if you got a raw deal in life? What if, and, and you know what, all of us are at different places in life. We've all, some people have had really bad things happen to them. And they, just a raw deal. You had someone else's bad legacy has affected you up until this time. What do you do about that? Well, going back to Isaiah chapter 3, verse after verse after verse of bad, bad, bad. Judgment, judgment, judgment. Doom and gloom because they were really being bad and that's what happens. You get away from the Lord, you come out from under his protection, bad things are going to happen to you. Not because he's punishing you, but just because you've left his side and you're out where the wolves are. You're out where the bad stuff's going on. Bad stuff's going to happen to you. All right, so that's why God's talking in verse 9. Look at their faces. It testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom, and they do not hide it. Woe to them. They've brought disaster on them. And then in the middle of this chapter of Isaiah 3, listen to this verse. Tell the righteous that it will go with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. And then it picks right back up. Bad, 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 bad. <laughs> But by the way, tell the righteous that it'll go well with them. You say, well, Steve, I'm not a very righteous person. <laughs> well, I tell you, your righteousness comes from Jesus. Start accepting his free gift of righteousness. You can't produce goodness in yourself, but you can receive his goodness into you and become a fountain of goodness from that day forward. Tell the righteous that it'll go with them. You say, I've gotten a raw deal in life. And God's saying, you can be righteous, and it'll go good for you from this day forward. It can, things can turn around if you'll just receive the righteousness of God and then claim, by Jesus' blood, I'm a righteous person. I declare myself, because he's declared me righteous, I declare that I am righteous. In fact, the Bible says, you are the righteousness of God. And because Jesus became sin on your behalf. That's amazing. He bore all your regrets. How many of you have, have a regret? You wish 
and it plays. <laughs> I have them. I have them. You know what? I've learned when I look back, all I see is Jesus. His mercy is behind you. You look back, don't look at your past. Look back and see Jesus standing back there covering all your mistakes, all your regrets, all your weaknesses, all your flaws, all your failures. Praise God. But here's another thing. Remember, did you inherit someone bad, someone else's bad legacy? Look at Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2. And look at this. It says, in that day, and it goes on and says all these good things. In that day, in which day? In the day of what was described in Isaiah chapter 3. All the bad stuff that was going on in that day. In this day in the United States where there's to date been over 61 million abortions, I think it was. Something like an abortion every 30 seconds now. In Venice Beach where people are getting mauled, where they used to be able to just enjoy themselves on the beach. In our neighborhoods right across the street where there's all kinds of prostitution and drug addiction and abuse going on. In that day. In that day when you've lost a loved one, in that day when things are going bad, in that that day when things are dark and gloomy, in that day when you're depressed, listen to this. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. We're going to talk about what the branch of the Lord is, so just bear with me. But for now, let's just say the branch of the Lord is the legacy of God to you. Let's just say it's that for a second. In the day when the Lord's legacy takes, trumps your bad legacy, the the legacy that was dealt to you, all right? The branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land will be the pride and joy of the survivors of Israel. Let me tell you what this is right here. We're the remnant. And let's talk about the branch just for a second. Now, once we, Tina and I got a branch from a Mexican elder. You know, these neat little trees, they get, some of them get pretty big. You can take a branch from a Mexican elder and plant it in the ground. If you plant it right, it'll become a tree. You can also take a little snippet off of a grapevine, and if you plant it right, it will become a grapevine. You see, Judah was a tree that was rotting It was a nation that was rotting, and God said, I'm going to take one branch off of you because the whole thing is is going to pot, but I'm going to take one branch, and I'm going to plant it, and it is going to thrive. Praise God. That's what this, this is who we are. We're that branch. Woo, thank goodness, man, this nation is going to pot, but God is saving us, thank the Lord. And now he's wanting you to go back to that nation and save it through the grace of Jesus Christ. Be something. Don't just be a consumer. Be a contributor into this world. I think sometimes, God, what am I doing at work? I mean, what good is all of this? And I'm realizing I'm a light shining at work. I'm, I'm, I'm showing people who, you know, who Jesus is. I was on a phone call the other day. One of these days, I'm going to get in trouble. And I was talking to this lady at work, and I just I started talking about Jesus. And using the name Jesus, not just God, not, you know, no, Jesus is this, that, and the other. HR is going to get all over me one of these days. I'm going to be big time trouble. You know what? We've got to shine our light. 
Shine our light unashamedly. You're a branch. You've come off of a family maybe that's broken and fallen apart. You may have come out of nothing. Maybe there was no family and God broke your branch off and said, it's okay. I'm going to plant you and I'm going to make you into a mighty tree for the Lord Jesus Christ. The branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. Those who are left in Zion, the remnant, the survivors who remain in Jerusalem will be called holy. God's calling you holy. And you say, I don't feel holy. God's calling you holy anyways. It's what he says, not what you feel. Stop going by your feelings and start going by what God's telling you. Praise the Lord. He will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains of Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. Then the Lord will create over Mount Zion. That's uh, a picture of what the church is to be. He's going to create over Mount Zion uh, and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. Now that comes from the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, out of slavery. Maybe you're coming out of addiction. Maybe you're coming out of a broken marriage. Maybe you're coming out of something bad. When you come out of that, he's going to be a pillar of, of, of smoke, to a cloud to keep you cool during the day and a pillar of fire to keep you safe at night. He's going to do that for you because you've come out of slavery, out of bondage. He says over every and over everything, the glory will be a canopy. You know what a canopy is like a tent. I tell you what, I feel this at night. Sometimes I feel, man, the presence of God just all over our house, all over our family, all over our church. I pray for you guys in the middle of the night. I hope you're praying for me in the middle of the night. I hope we're praying for each other in the middle of the night, that the canopy of the glory of God would protect us and keep us from evil. It will be a shelter and a shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and a hiding place from the storm and the rain. Wow. In that day, are you going through hard times right now? In that day, you will be the branch of the Lord. You will come out of what you're going through, and God's going to deliver you. He's going to help you. He's going to strengthen you. That's why in Psalms 37, 19, it says, In times of disaster, they will not wither. Who's they? That's you. They will not wither. In days of famine, you will enjoy plenty. Praise God. God's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to watch over you. Praise the Lord. Listen to this last statement. We're done. You may be a victim of someone else's poor legacy that they've left for you, but you are a branch of the tree that's going to survive and thrive with Jesus's help. Praise God. It's going to be okay. Can you say that to yourself? It's going to be all right. With Jesus's help, it's going to be all right. Praise God. Lord, we just come before you. If I could get maybe Tina and maybe my mom as, as the, those who might pray for somebody, we always like to give the chance to, for you to be prayed for in this church. The chance, the opportunity to be prayed for. If you're struggling, if you would like to know who Jesus is, you may not know who he is. You may not have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> But you want to know Jesus in a stronger, more wonderful way? Come on up and let us pray for you. But I'm going to pray as, as you contemplate coming up. You could even come up after church and we can pray for you. But Lord, we pray right now, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, for the canopy of your glory to be over us, Lord God. In that day, Lord, in the day of evil, in the day of distress, in the day of difficulty, 
in the day of stress, Lord, that your presence would just begin to cover us, Lord, and we would be insulated. I've sensed this before, Lord, when I was feeling attacked and beat down, Lord, I felt insulated like you had wrapped me up in in a safe thing, Lord, where I could hardly even feel the stuff that was going on around me. Lord, be a canopy that insulates us, that protects us, that keeps us, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we need your help. We need your presence. We need your assistance, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, help us to start leaving a powerful legacy. Instead of saying, oh, kesada, sada, whatever will happen, will happen. Lord, you got it all under control, but I'm just going to kick back here. No, Lord, help us to begin to get into the fray, Lord God. In other words, into the battle, Lord God, to start sharpening each other, to start encouraging each other, start pushing each other. Lord, if we have kids still at home, we need to be pouring the Bible into them, pouring the truth into them, encouraging them, Lord God, pushing them towards righteousness, towards holiness, oh God. Lord, if the children are already out of the nest, Lord, help us to be praying for them, Lord God. On those phone calls when we talk to them, encouraging them, Lord, exhorting them, Lord Jesus, pushing them, Lord God, closer to you. Why? Because the time is short. It's short, Lord God. Lord, if it's a friend, help us to get on the phone, Lord God, and encourage that friend. Shine the light of Jesus to that friend. Encourage them, O oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, help us to get